0: Talk to my friend, Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen has died Allen. hard conservative. I into this guy for wisdom. Get into some of the other stories in the news later this week and a subsequent podcast. But we're gonna focus on one thing and one thing alone today, and that is the raid, the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago. This is, I am certain of it now, a cover-up that goes all the way back to 2016 to the DNC. Uh, email hack scandal, and the subsequent Trump-Russia collusion hoax that the inspired the Democrats, right? That DNC hack that inspired the Democrats to come up with the Trump-Russia collusion. That's what this is about, hiding that, preventing that from coming out, the truth of all of it, and it's damning for the Democratic Party. It's not just damning politically, it's damning. It, it goes to levels that are evil that they can never recover from. This is Drew Allen, the host of The Drew Allen Show, your millennial minister of truth, where we are always um, patriotically correct. Look, I'm certain of this. You know, John Solomon, I've got to give him credit, he put out a bombshell piece today, of course, which led me to this podcast, to my certainty. And that is that the Biden administration was behind this, All along. They um, gave the DOJ permission. Despite their denials of knowing about the raid. They paved the way for the DOJ and the FBI to do this. Now look. um, The illusion of American democracy. Of civility. Of justice. That just came crashing to the ground. The. Look America was shaken after the FBI raided former President Trump's private residence at Mar-a-Lago on August 8th. As I said, it was unprecedented. It's never happened before. The search, a search warrant issued for a former president's home. And now remember, they went and put on this raid, which was a big, uh, piece of theater for the American people to witness, right, to give the appearance of some crime that was committed. And, you know, Merrick Garland, the DOJ who gave the order, well, he was just silent for days. We couldn't hear anything from him. He was in hiding like Joe Biden when he was campaigning. And Merrick Garland finally came out on August 12th, so days after the raid took place. And he admitted, of course, that he had personally approved the raid. He was so proud of it. It was a very serious decision. He was faced with that He had to make, you know, like giving the order to kill Osama bin Laden. Well, he, he just, I'm sure he lost sleep over it. And he didn't take any questions after the press conference. He just disappeared back into the shadows. And, you know, the thought occurred to me that Garland here conducted his press conference much like a police chief might conduct a press conference after a mass shooting, right? The, the police chief, he answers a few questions, which is more than Garland did. But the police chief, you know, after the mass shooting, you know, he can't answer a lot of questions. There's an ongoing investigation, right? And, you know, he doesn't have all the answers. Except the difference is that unlike a press conference, which follows a mass shooting, Garland didn't have a crime. They're still trying to find the crime. All this was done under the pretext of a crime. And in the days that followed that unprecedented raid of Trump's Mar-a-Lago private residence, um, what did the media do? Well, they reported, of course, that well, you know, Trump, he was in possession of classified and top-secret documents. You mean like Hillary Clinton with the email scandal? And what did the left-wing propagandist media do? They, they moved to ensure and assure the American people, what? That we understood just how serious Trump's, still-to-be-determined, crime was. And, you know, they threw out these inexplicable violations that they themselves understood about as thoroughly as they'd understood Trump-Russia collusion, which was, which is to say they didn't understand it at all. Oh, Trump, uh, he colluded with a Kremlin uh, to steal the t- uh, 2016 election. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, some allegation that you can't explain. What does that mean? And they tried to dazzle us with the same tired, worn-out accusations like espionage, obstruction of justice, you know, to liven up this flaccid narrative they even uh they even reported that trump had been in possession what of nuclear documents ooh nuclear documents and this uh this this was was done to uh incite a schiff erection adam schiff you know he he assured us in the past about trump russia collusion that there was evidence of collusion in plain sight well he ran back to his favorite propagandist Networks, and he assured us once more that while he couldn't explain why the FBI, FBI waited 18 months to retrieve the classified documents and he couldn't name a crime, well, Trump's possession of classified documents, well, this was a serious problem. It is a serious problem, but you know what? It's not a serious problem for Trump. You know what it's a serious problem for? Who it's a serious problem for? The Democratic Party. The FBI raid of Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home does not only bear all the hallmarks of the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, it also appears to be related to it, and I'll get to that in a minute. This is not about the possession of classified documents by Trump at Mar-a-Lago. If it were, the Justice Department would have prosecuted Hillary Clinton in 2016 for using a private server without approval while serving as the Secretary of State. Not only did that Itself violate federal law using a private server that was vulnerable. But she also violated the Federal Records Act. That's much like the Presidential Records Act, right? That we keep hearing that they say that Trump violated. Well, the Federal Records Act is about preserving government-related emails from, you know, the Secretary of State. She didn't just fail to turn the emails over, she deleted them. When Clinton was under investigation and her emails under scrutiny, she destroyed 33,000 emails. She didn't just delete them, she used software called BleachBit to ensure that they could never be recovered. An aide of Clinton's destroyed two of Clinton's phones with a hammer. And, of course, Donald Trump, as president, had the sole authority to declassify documents. Hillary Clinton didn't have that authorization as Secretary of State. But, you know, she just took it upon herself to make the decision about what was work-related and what was personal. And so she deleted 33,000 emails and said, oh, well, you know, none of these. They were about my daughter's wedding. And even if we look at the emails that Clinton did turn over, of those emails that were returned to the State Department in compliance with the Federal Records Act, well, 22 of the Clinton emails sent early on were deemed top secret by the State Department in addition to the countless others which of course were classified and confidential. And what are the what's the basis of the Democrat DOJ corrupt Biden administration's accusations against Trump Well, he's in possession and mishandled federal documents. Now Trump, of course, has already handed over 15 boxes of requested documents back to the National Archives in January per their request. He gave more documents over to the FBI in June upon request. They went to Mar-a-Lago already and looked around the house, and they asked him, the DOJ, they asked him to secure the room further that the other documents that he hadn't turned over were in. And so he put a padlock on the room in compliance with their request. But that wasn't enough. The DOJ then issued a subpoena for more documents in May. And allegedly, it was what? It was Trump's refusal to hand over these documents, subpoenaed documents, that uh, compelled the Biden DOJ to sign off on this FBI raid of Trump's Mar-a-Lago home in August. And look, there are a lot of similarities and a lot of differences between Clinton and Trump here. And it's the differences that we're going to focus on because they reveal the scheme. They reveal the corruption. They give the game away. Now, Trump as president, unlike Clinton as Secretary of State, as I said, had the sole authority to declassify documents as he wished. And unlike Clinton, whatever alleged classified top secret documents that Trump was in possession of, well, they were being physically protected behind a padlocked room, not on an unprotected, unprotected, vulnerable and illegal server. And most importantly, this is what we must focus on that people are missing. Share this with everyone you know. Trump, unlike Clinton, did not destroy whatever records he was keeping at Mar-a-Lago. He was preserving them. Clinton erased her emails. Her erasure of those emails while they were being requested demonstrated what? An overt Effort to get rid of evidence. Trump's insistence on keeping whatever documents he was in possession of secure at Mar-a-Lago. Well, what does that demonstrate? An overt effort to protect evidence. So you can say, you can make the parallels, we can do this all day long about how Clinton was arguably exonerated for ostensibly similar accusations. This is not about double standards. Trump handed over countless documents to the National Archives, to the FBI, and they weren't satisfied. Which tells you what. They were looking for something specific. He handed things over. They knew what they were looking for, and he wasn't giving it to them. What were they looking for? Kash Patel said weeks ago, Now, right after the raid, he said, look, these guys were there looking for documents pertaining to the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, crossfire hurricane, the unlawful, unconstitutional persecution of Donald Trump, alleging that he colluded with the Kremlin to steal the 2016 election. This goes all the way back to 2016, what they're doing right now. And it bears all the hallmarks, as I said. Now, we got to go back and look at what happened in 2016 with Trump-Russia collusion. That was born from an unfortunate event that happened at the DNC. The DNC emails were hacked. John Podesta, Donna Brazil, and those were released to the public by WikiLeaks. And those emails... Showed what? The Democratic Party, the DNC, Hillary Clinton were colluding against Bernie Sanders. They were trying to ensure that Hillary Clinton became the nominee in 2016. They were damning emails. They showed the arrogance, the attitudes of Hillary Clinton, John Podesta, the Democratic Party, and they made them look like garbage. They were embarrassing for the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign. They showed that they were corrupt and that the game was rigged. And so what happened afterwards? A cover-up began. The DNC hired CrowdStrike, which was owned by a Ukrainian individual. CrowdStrike... Determined that the Russians were behind the hacks of the DNC servers, emails, and so on and so forth. Now remember that there was a young man who worked for the DNC at the time who was murdered in Washington D.C. Uh, his murder was never found. The he was the, the the dead body was found with his watch on his wrist still his uh. You know, credit cards, his wallet was not stolen. So this guy was executed. And have you ever heard of a murder taking place in which no one steals the money from the person, the watch from the person? And it was argued long ago. And the Democrats tried to destroy anyone with lawsuits that made this point, that this was an inside job. This guy was targeted because he was the one responsible for Hacking, releasing those damning DNC emails. This was a disgruntled individual, potentially, who was upset with what he had learned while working for the DNC and how corrupt they were. They weren't what he thought they were. And he died. The murder was never found. And this was just swept under the rug. Now, the DNC fought tooth and nail against the FBI's involvement, the federal government's involvement in actually investigating what happened to the DNC, right? You would think that the federal government would be involved in an investigation in which the DNC and Hillary Clinton and her campaign were alleging that the Russians were hacking to change the election results, to interfere in the elections. But that didn't happen. They didn't permit it. They outsourced The investigation to a Ukrainian-owned company called CrowdStrike, which gave them the verdict that the Russians were behind it. And then quickly after that, what happened? They accused Trump of Trump-Russia collusion. Hillary Clinton's campaign hired a bunch of computer nerds and geeks to plant evidence they asserted that Donald Trump was colluding with the Russians because Donald Trump's own servers were communicating with some bank called Alpha Bank in Moscow. Now, what that would prove is 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 stupid. I mean, I it wasn't true. It wasn't happening. But a bunch of computer nerds made it look like that. And that's when Michael Sussman, a lawyer for the Hillary Clinton campaign and the and the DNC went to the intelligence community and said, Hey, I've got this document that shows that Trump servers are communicating with Alpha Bank in Moscow. You should look into this because there may be something to this. And that's when Trump Russia collusion was born. That was part of the Steele dossier, that allegation of the Alpha Bank Trump server contact the servers, communication between the two. And so the DNC and Hillary Clinton campaign were actually covering up for whatever happened inside at the time in 2016, the release of those damning emails that were embarrassing to them. And so then we had a Mueller investigation, Trump-Russia collusion. This has always been about covering their tracks. Something happened in 2016 that they do not want us to know about. I think it extends well beyond Trump-Russia collusion. But certainly Trump-Russia collusion was an abomination. It was collusion between the Hillary Clinton campaign, Barack Obama perhaps and his administration that was on the way out, the intelligence community, the deep state, to, well it was a coup, to unseat a duly elected president under a fictional narrative that they created, that Trump stole the 2016 election by colluding with the Kremlin. And all of it was manufactured. None of it was true. It was all a bunch of baloney. And so here we are. We've gone through quid pro quo, which was about Trump's phone call with Zelensky. And what was that about? Well, on a phone call with Zelensky, Trump had asked Zelensky to look into the firing of... A Ukrainian government prosecutor who was looking into Burisma, which was the corrupt company, energy company, that was paying Hunter Biden tens of thousands of dollars a month. I think it was 50000 a month. It was some unbelievable number. This guy, Hunter Biden, this kid, was not a kid. He was an adult, had no experience in energy, but he was being paid enormous sums of money to sit on the board of this energy company. And this prosecutor in ukraine was investigating them well vice president at the time joe biden had withheld a billion dollars in aid to ukraine in order to pressure them to fire this prosecutor this prosecutor and so trump comes along and he wants to look into how this happened it's a scandal and then we get quid pro quo and impeachment The Democrats want to hide what they're up to at every step of the way. Trump-Russia collusion. They don't want us to know the extent of what that scandal was. They don't want us to understand the extent of the scandal that was Joe Biden's interference in Ukraine, getting that prosecutor fired. What was his son up to? The real quid pro quo that happened was between Joe Biden and the Ukrainians. And then we had impeachment. So what's going on here? You know, the the Democrats have been planning this raid for a long time. The White House, of course, denied their involvement in it, but now we know that was a lie because they were instrumental, instrumental in paving the way for what's taken place. Now, this John Solomon piece, I just want to read a couple pull quotes here, explain to you at least what's going on. Um... All right, let me let me find this here. So John Solomon in his latest piece, he writes about how the White House Deputy Counsel, Jonathan Sue, well, he was engaged in conversations with the FBI, the DOJ, and the National Archives as early as April. And in April, uh, actually, this isn't even right. You know, uh, Donald Trump turned over 15 boxes of classified documents, alleged classified documents and other materials to the National Archives voluntarily as early as January. Uh, but anyway, by May, the deputy counsel, Jonathan Sue told the archives that Biden would not object to waiving Trump's claims to executive privilege. Now, all this is absurd anyway. We're going to fight through this because we need to have the information because Trump hasn't done anything wrong. And as I said, if this was really such a scandal and so outrageous, they would have prosecuted Hillary Clinton for it. So this isn't about that. It's about exactly what I've explained to you. But look, they've had this scheme in place and they have long uh, been worried about Trump exerting some executive privilege. Now, Biden waived his former predecessor, Trump's executive privilege, and that's what made it possible for the DOJ to assemble this grand jury and get them to issue a subpoena compelling Trump to turn over any other materials he possessed, right? So I said, Trump turned over 15 boxes to the archives, he turned over additional materials to the FBI, and then he padlocked. Uh, You know, a room that contained additional documents. And the FBI knew he had these documents for 18 months. And just now, all of a sudden, they're raiding his home to get them. They really wanted something that he had, and they're not telling us what they wanted. And the assumption is that if we actually get an unredacted affidavit, it will reveal that they say exactly what they're looking for. And that will give the game away. But anyway... The National Archivist, Deborah Stidle Wall, uh, she wrote a letter on May 10th that she sent to Trump's lawyers. And this is what she wrote. On April 11th, 2022, the White House Counsel's Office, affirming a request from the Department of Justice supported by an FBI letterhead memora- memorandum, formally transmitted a request that the National Archives provide the FBI access to the 15 boxes for its review within seven days, with the possibility that the FBI might request copies of specific documents following its review of the boxes. That's what she wrote to Trump's defense attorney, Evan Corcoran. So, Executive privilege is something that's been recognized as a legal doctrine in this country for more than 200 years. And this is what permits presidents to refuse requests from both the legislative and judicial branches for information the president deems sensitive. George Washington used this privilege. And, uh, you know, he said the president is justified in, in withholding information when doing so in the service of the public interest not in an attempt to protect the political interests of the president and his administration. So, you know, it requires an, a, a, a modicum. Well, not a modicum, but a lot of morality and um, principle from the president. But so does our Constitution in upholding that. It depends upon moral men being in control. But, you know, Obama exerted executive privilege. And the most famous recent example was uh, 2012, right? The House Oversight Committee they subpoenaed these undisclosed documents about the DOJ's response to uh, Fast and the Furious, which was the 2009 gun running operation in which U.S. agents allowed guns to walk across the border and into the hands of Mexican drug cartels. And the U.S. Department of Justice, which was led by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, well, you know, they undertook this operation. They allowed about 2,000 weapons to flow from Legal U.S. dealers to Mexican drug cartels, uh, allegedly to you know uh, investigate gun trafficking, and in in December of 2010, this resulted in two of those weapons being found at the site near the U.S.-Mexico border, where a U.S. Border Patrol agent named Brian Terry was fatally shot. And so, the House Committee Oversight Committee wanted answers, and they subpoenaed the documents. And Eric Holder wouldn't turn over everything. He would just give them snippets. And so they voted to hold Holder in contempt. He was required by law to hand over those documents. He refused. And so this went over, carried over into 2012, and Obama stepped in and exerted executive privilege over those documents. So Holder was off the hook. They couldn't overrule Obama's claim of executive privilege. Now, the Biden administration has been anticipating that Trump would exert executive privilege over these documents that come from his administration. And, you know, this is really the unprecedented situation as well. You know, you have a new administration coming in demanding subpoenaing documents from a predecessor's administration. So imagine if Trump came into office and wanted to look into Fast and Furious to investigate his predecessor, Barack Obama. And his DOJ subpoenaed documents that Obama was in possession of. Documents from Obama's administration. Does Obama no longer have executive privilege because he's not president anymore? Can a new president waive a former president's right to exert executive privilege? Well, that's exactly what Biden was doing here. Waiving that executive privilege. Now, there's a lot of things we still don't know here about what was declassified, what was not what is still classified and so on and so forth. but this uh, this raid was was clearly not about Trump being a national security threat with these documents. The Clinton case proves that. And so Donald Trump has documents in his possession that the Democratic Party, desperately does not want to be revealed to the American people. And this is a cover-up of that. And if Cash Patel is right, which I assume he probably is because he has been leading the investigation while Trump was in office into Trump-Russia collusion, he, he revealed so much of that with others as well that he was working with in Congress. And so... This is the biggest cover-up operation in American history. And and we're seeing Trump-Russia collusion riding all over the wall. Oh, he's got nuclear documents. I mean, they're just covering their tracks. So, look, I just wanted to address this immediately right now because it's clear to me what this is now it's not about misconduct by Trump it's about them trying to get hold of documents that condemn them Trump is the one who has the goods he's hey, this is the thing the Democrats have claimed they've had the goods on Trump for how many years six years now and they haven't produced anything Trump has the goods on the Democrats and they're trying to get hold of those documents. That's what's going on. A cover-up that goes all the way back to 2016, to Trump-Russia collusion, to CrowdStrike, to the biggest scandal in American history. And under the pretext of obtaining these classified documents that they think that Trump shouldn't be in possession of, they're seizing them. All right. This is a uh, update. A little bit different podcast than usual. Uh, I'll be back with you in the next day or two to follow up and talk about some different news stories. But 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 let's let's just get on the record right now. This is a hit job to cover. This is a cover up operation. A cover up operation. And uh, let's hope we get to the bottom of it. All right. God bless you all. Until next time. This is Drew Allen.